you want to stand and just have a stretch, folks? Yeah, cool. If you'd like to take a seat again. My name's Greg, Greg Morris. I'm a pastor of Oxford Baptist Church and... Um, Um, Joe and I came to faith in Oxford Baptist Church back in 1988 and uh, we haven't been to any other church. Morris and Miriam have been our pastors our whole Christian life, our whole life of faith. They've been our mentors. Uh, we've loved them, we've followed them and we owe them where we are today uh, because they see in us and see in many other people um, what we often don't see in ourselves. Morris and Miriam would see it, God would point it out, and they wouldn't let it go. And um, if they ever paid you a visit, you knew something was going to change inside. <laughs> you know, they, they, when they said, we, we need to come and see you about something or whatever it was. Um, I can remember vividly the day, um, well, actually I was an elder for quite a few years, and the church, when it began to grow, um, as an elder, we were asked, who do we think would be another pastor to take on when we move from a one church, uh, a one pastor church to a, to two pastors? And so I was busy uh, praying and, and looking all around. And I can remember Morris came around one day and uh, he said to me, uh, I'm here to discharge myself, Greg. Has God or has God not asked you to step up into the leadership of the church? And um, it was, I don't know that I'd really thought about it. When I look back, I could, see, I could join all the dots, but Morris saw it, and, um, and he sees it on, on he, he saw it on, on people continuously, and uh, we loved him for it. He could be, uh, his delivery of his message could be a bit off at times, and um, because he wanted to shake you up, and he wanted you to think outside the square, and uh, we loved him for it. I believe they arrived in 1982. Uh, Morris, Miriam and the family to Oxford, as uh, others have said, five years a Christian. And um, I was about 22 when I first saw Morris, and uh, he was in his green track suit, handlebar mo, and uh, he was pounding the footpaths of Oxford, and, and I wondered, who was that guy? Because Oxford was a much smaller town back then. And someone said, oh, that's the new uh, pastor of Oxford Baptist Church. And I said, really? That guy's a pastor? And, uh, and I said, oh, I used to be a cop. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't meet him as a cop. <laughs> <laughs> but like many others, we, we did meet him. And, and um, we got to know Morris and we, and, and, um, we loved him. Back then, the, the Baptist church was a very small church. And uh, I wouldn't know the square meters, but it was tiny. And uh, it was quite different. There was just a pot belly stove. I don't know if they had a lid for it or not, but the wood that they got for it was usually long planks. It was just fired and it would burn its way down. And uh, that was in the church auditorium. You know, there was, um, apparently the toilets out the back were long drops. I don't know. I never used them. I had enough of those when I was working on farms. Um, but the church vision back then was flushing toilets. And um, that, that, would have been a, that would have been an upgrade. But, um, you know, Morris and Miriam had much more vision. God gave them much more vision than flushing toilets. And um, the church just began to grow and grow. 
Many of you remember the economic turmoil that was uh, back in the 80s and early 90s, rogenomics and different things, and farming communities suffered a lot as minimum supplementary payments were lifted from the Muldoon era, were lifted, and lots of businesses and things closed, uh, towns suffered, um, and churches closed all around, and a lot of, many small town churches closed up, but Oxford Baptist continued to grow. There was uh, building extension after building extension. Um, just, there was three just for our auditorium, where it would seat less than 100. Now seats, I think if we wanted to squeeze them in, 250. But um, youth halls built. There was an early learning centre built because the town needed employment for, for uh, many young women uh, who didn't have a job. Uh, others couldn't go because of solo parents. They couldn't go and work because there was nowhere for their young children to stay and, uh, during the week. And so Morris and Miriam had a, had really felt God spoke and they built a, a, an early learning centre which is still there and thriving today. And so many things happened and as we look around, we were actually to their credit and, and, um, and God's anointing that Oxford Baptist Church is one of the biggest small town churches in New Zealand. And it was no wonder when the personalities that were there, they were so full of life. Morris was, as you've heard, just so full of life and everything. We, um, as a pastor, um, it's not always easy. Uh, you, you can revert sometimes to your old calling. And uh, I can remember, Joe and I weren't long Christians. And a person over the road from us, he's, he's, uh, he died many years ago, but back then he was a drug dealer, and um, he was uh, been in prison for armed robbery, all those kinds of things, and uh, he was under investigation for a murder out at the Gary River that happened some time ago, it was a, it was a drug deal and all that, and uh, he was living with his uh, wife, sorry, de facto relationship, and um, one day we got a knock on the door, um, does this person live over the road? Yes, he does. Um, how do you know he lives there? Well, he drives such and such a car, that kind of stuff. Well, you need to testify in court. So we became witnesses. We're thinking it's the right thing to do. He found our name on the witness list from his lawyer and so threatened to kill Joy, uh, my wife, uh, when she was down in the supermarket. And, um, and she came home quite upset. I was just a little way down the road in the sawmill. And so she rang. I came home. And um, she said, go down the road and see Morris. I said, it's his day off. And uh, she said, doesn't matter, go down and see Morris. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll walk down the road. He's, he's only a few hundred metres down the road. So I walked down, and uh, he had his boot of his car open. He was just loading in the golf clubs. And uh, I said to him, have you got a minute? He said, oh, just a minute, I'm off to the golf course. And I said, well, so-and-so, he's um, threatened to kill Joy. And I'm uh, not sure what to do. He said, easy, you can take him. And so he started... <laughs> So, so he started him with a whole lot of advice that you've just heard a lot of it here. And um, <laughs> later on, I found out that his favourite trick was uh, a baton that the police had that had a little handle on it as well. And he said, I used to love keeping it up my sleeve. You could just drop it out and hang on to the handle when they didn't know it and give him one on the ribs. And that quieted everything down. <laughs> but I didn't have one of those. So he just told me, go home, find something. He said, just make sure he doesn't get up. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, let me know how you get on. It's time for... <laughs> It's time things livened up around here. Shut down the boot of the car. I went home and Joyce said, what did he say? And I said, oh. 
You think so I can take him? <laughs> Carolyn's sudden death in 1992 shook us as a church. Not everybody survives in a marriage when they lose a child. Not everybody survives in ministry when you lose a child. But they did. They stayed where a lot of people would have packed up and left and made a new start somewhere else at least. But Oakland Baptist Church continued to grow through all the pain, the agony, the fun, the laughter. Morris has always been an inspiration, and Miriam, to all of us. And um, they were great motivators of people. They were um, just awesome that they could get people to, to give and into a vision, to follow through. There was never any lack. And uh, as I say, as, as a church, we just continued to grow under their leadership. They traveled a lot. It's been mentioned before when they went to Toronto to the Vineyard Church there and they came back um, with refreshed in the Holy Spirit and uh, it, it really livened the church up, I can tell you. Morris loved it. He, was, he, just, he just loved working in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. Jerusalem was a favorite place that they loved to um, talk about and, um, and, and the things that happened there, the things that God imparted while they were there. YWAM came to Oxford and they connected well with YWAM and the leaders. And um, I can, as I said, um, as things grew, they called me to being a uh, to pastoral role. I can remember the very first pastoral meeting I went to in this room full of all these pastors, and I'm thinking, wow, well, what am I doing here? And Morris proudly announced, this is Greg Morris. He's just started on as a pastor in our church, and we've given him a job description. Take the blame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still taking the blame, Morris. <laughs> As I said, he just loved telling stories, and um, you always knew it was going to be a good one when he went for his hanky before he even started telling the story. <laughs> he could, he's the only person I know who could, he could laugh so hard, wipe away the tears from his eyes. We lost a lot of detail out of that, but we knew what was, you know, what was going on. Ian shared a funny story, and I'll be, I'll be brief with it, just, just a couple of them, but he shared one on Sunday, and, and, um, but I got different details to what Ian, Ian said it was someone that he arrested at a party, oh, I thought it was a guy he tackled and hit the ground, but either way, whatever happened, the shock of it all, the guy filled his pants, <laughs> and um, so Morris has got him handcuffed and everything else, and, and, um, and as he's leading them away and down the road, a police car pulls up, because there was a number that had been arrested, and a police car pulled up with some couple of young policemen by the sound of it, and uh, well, they were naive to Morris anyway, and they said to him, uh, is there anything we can do to help? And he said, yeah, you can take this guy to the station if you like. He opened up the back door, put him in the car, shut up. <laughs> he said the car went about 50 metres down the road, stopped suddenly, both front doors fling open, these guys reaching and gagging and, Atkinson! <laughs> We heard about the pot plant. I didn't realise it was the police cafeteria, but he used to enjoy watching that being wooded so often. We heard about a guy that he used to play rugby with, and um, he used to drink a lot the night before, um, but he would lose it, vomiting, during the game. And so they used to keep him filled up on a Friday night, he said, because 
once he did that on the opposition in the first tackle, it just took their mind off the whole game. But the problem was, if he didn't get tackled before the first scrum, he wasn't allowed in that scrum. <laughs> They'd pull in somebody from the back line. He'd often come round to watch a, um, a test match. That, he, he, um, he had Sky for a while, but then he didn't. So he'd come round and, and, um, and watch, a, and he just loved test matches and things. And I'm more of a rugby league fan. I know that's probably the wrong place to say it. But anyway, Morris just, um, he didn't mind, he quite liked watching rugby league, but he loved baiting me more. And I'd say to him, you want to come around and watch um, uh, Kiwis are playing the Aussies tonight? You want to come? Ah, oh, they're all out of jail, are they? <laughs> yeah. so, he, so he'd come around. I used to react to that every time. I just couldn't help myself. But there were many, many people were touched by Morris. Just, it's countless how many people were touched by Morris. Because you're all here shows that. I was not long ago just down in um, one of the local businesses and the, the owner of that business was saying to me, can't believe Morris and Merriman shifted into town. And he talked about just talking, just seeing him there at the rugby games and, and enjoying the rugby and, and, and um, at the p local park. And uh, he said, just the wisdom that would come out, I could talk to him about anything. And Morris had an opinion that was always worth listening to. There's many people in the church and outside of the church owe their marriages to their input. Their kids aren't on drugs because of Morris and Miriam's input into family, into raising children. It's countless um, just the impact that a, that a man could have. And, and I've got to say, with the following through and, and, and the wonderful support that Miriam was always there, I... Um, I have a son up north, and I was talking to him on the phone last night, and um, he was talking about how all the people in Tauranga, all the Christian leaders and that up there are talking about it, they can't believe it. In fact, last Friday, after Miriam had rung me and, and people began to hear, Friday and Saturday, my phone was going continually, can't believe it. But people overseas, they weren't just saying we've lost a friend, they're saying we've lost a mentor. His ministry went far and wide. He always challenged us to go for more. If we weren't going for more, then we might as well go home. And so, and it was, it was pretty much like that. As I said, sometimes his delivery may have been a bit rough of what he wanted to speak into our life. But we all knew he wanted the best for us. And we loved him and we trusted him. He always spoke of his kids. You're right, Melanie. And he always spoke of all three. Melanie, when you got your doctorate, it was like I was, I was under the impression there was only one person in the whole world got a doctorate that year. <laughs> he was as proud as proud. Tim, with your business that you've taken on, um, he was just glowing from ear to ear. I actually thought that he was, um, when he is retired, he was just going to buy another digger and turn up and say, where do I start? He was, just, he was just full of admiration. Whenever I walked into his office and the screen and the computer would, you know, you get your screensaver would come up after you've been talking for a while. It would always come up on a picture of, of um, a church in Jerusalem, the Church of the Good Shepherd. But the last couple of months, it was a picture of Caroline. 
He loved his family. And he taught many families how to love their family. So we grieve with you. And we celebrate a life well lived. And he will forever remain an example of how to love our families, how to love the Lord Jesus with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their strength, how to respect one another, and how to live life to the full. Bless you. Murray Robertson, would you like to come up? I want to introduce the Baptist Bishop of Christchurch. <laughs> long, long time friend of, of uh, Morris's. Thank you, John. Well, I have been called many things. But, uh, I think I first met Morris when um, he just turned up at Oxford. And uh, we have a pastor's group at Sprayton. We, we've had it uh, for a long, long time. And uh, Morris turned up, see, and I said to him, I said, what brings you? He said, well, God's told me to come. I said, good night, that's unusual. <laughs> These guys usually come because they're desperate. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you see, his, his background, as we've heard, I mean, there's this wild life in the police force, then a wild life in a Pentecostal church, and, and suddenly he's thrown into this little rural Baptist church and he didn't know what do you do because he'd never had any church background at all how do you run a church and um, and so he prayed about it you see and he said God God told me to come to this group and he said I'll learn, learn about how to do it and the irony was it wasn't even a Baptist group you see and uh, but we had over a number of years in that group we had a wonderful journey together I think we learned from each other a whole, whole bunch of pastors and some of the pastors in that group ended up leading what turned out to be some of the largest churches in New Zealand, a whole variety of denominations. It was an amazing journey we went on together. And Morris ended up, as we heard from Greg, leading what I think is the largest rural church in New Zealand of any denomination. It was just amazing what happened at, at Oxford, really. And um, Morris would share all these stories with us as we went along over the years. And then uh, at Sproden, we started having these leadership conferences and all these pastors would turn up from all over the place. And I very, really, very quickly realised I had nothing to say to people who were pastoring churches in rural areas. So I had this great brainwave. You see, I said, Morris, how, how would you like to come take a workshop at these conferences? So he and Miriam turned up. And so as we had these various conferences uh, over a number of years, Morris and Miriam would come, made a wonderful contribution to them. And then we started getting invitations to take these conferences up to the North Island, and so they came with us. We had some great trips away, actually, up in the North Island. And all these other opportunities opened up for Morris because, you see, there's all these tiny, struggling rural churches all over New Zealand, and the story of Oxford is such an inspiring story, and people just want to hear about it. And, uh, and then Morris ended up, much to our, all of our surprise, as the sort of El Supremo for the Baptists in Canterbury. <laughs> there were many people greatly surprised, actually. I was one of them. I said, man, you're a brave man or a fool. I don't know. Uh, and he, um, so he took on this job. And as you were saying, John, Morris you know, had, would have a great plan for your life. For the last few years, he's had a great plan for my life, actually, and, uh, which I've really appreciated because... Uh, 
He said, how, how would you like to be a consultant? You know, some of these churches need help around the place. And so last year I was involved with Parklands, and this year at Rangiora, which I've really appreciated, so I stand in great gratitude for Morris's wisdom and all this stuff. I'd just like to end with a personal story. Um, a couple of years ago, I got really upset about an, an issue, really. It really got me down. Finally, Marge said to me, you've got to go and talk to someone, you, or else you're going to end up a grumpy old man. And so I always heed her words of counsel to me, of course. So I went off and saw a couple of people, and they were no use at all. <laughs> <laughs> they just agreed completely with my problems. <laughs> So then I thought, oh, maybe I should go and talk to my ecclesiastical superior, <laughs> who was Morris, a bishop. So I went and saw Morris, and he had a, 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 like a prophetic insight, really. He shared two thoughts with me, and they resolved the issue for me. Because Morris, it seemed to me that you know, he had this amazing gift from God that he, he would hear stuff that was often so incredibly appropriate. Now, the thing about people with prophetic insights, some people think they're wonderful, and some people think they're awful. And that's the thing. If you read about prophets in the Bible, that's, that's what happens all the time. And Morris had an incredible kind of spiritual insight, which has helped a number of us an awful lot. And I'm one of them. I have just immensely appreciated journeying together with this brother over the years. He's been a... Uh, just a real en encouragement and as, as a fellow traveller in what can be a very difficult profession, really, uh, as a minister in a church. And so, as John was saying at the beginning, the Maori say that when someone like Morris dies, that a great totra has fallen in the forest. And this is what's happened, and we're all going to miss you, mate. Tim's the chair of our association down here. Thank you, John. I kind of wish I'd heard all these stories before I uh, had Morris on the board with me. <laughs> How about that edit button? There are so many things that I could say about what Morris has contributed to our region and to my life personally. Today, I just want to talk about one. Morris loved praying for people. John, you got us to put our hands up. Can we do it again? Can you just look around? If you have been prayed for by Morris, can you raise your hand and look around? Keep it up. Look around. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. And he loved praying for me too. We will deeply miss his presence and his prayer. Miriam, you were such a good team. Christine and I looked at you both and thought, yes, bless you, bless you. Mm. To you and to your family, our heart goes out to you today. At our board meeting yesterday, this is the Canterbury Westland Baptist Association board meeting, I don't think 
many minutes were taken. This is something that Morris might not have had a problem with. <laughs> Shall we call that an ongoing situation? We sat, we talked, we prayed. We were torn by the loss of Morris, as we are today, and the loss of the things that he held dear. Morris loved praying for people. We felt as a board like a seed that falls to the ground and is broken. We felt the brokenness of his dying. And we felt bad. Felt to us too sudden too early, too final. We wanted more for him. Yet we had one thought. Because Morris loved praying for people, like a seed that falls to the ground and is broken, and as any good orchardist will tell us, it doesn't end there. In time, new life buds. And if we're really patient, much fruit. Today doesn't feel so good, although I must say it's been tempered by some pretty wild stories. But the fruit of Morris's life is yet to be seen in all of its fullness. I firmly believe that many, many people have caught from Morris that same love of praying for people. I believe that's part of the good fruit of his life. And we will see it in the days ahead. And so I and the board find great comfort in that. Morris said about his funeral in the past that if it gets boring, I'm out of here. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this fine man. We thank you that we have walked with him most of the time. We thank you, Lord, for how you have changed us through him, and we are the better for that. We pray for your breath to be upon us that we too would bless others in prayer. In the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Kim. I just want to invite Craig Vernal, who is the national leader 
of our Baptist churches to say a few words. Kia ora, Craig. Kia ora whanau. Uh, my name's Craig Vernal, and uh, today I have the honour of bringing greetings to family from the 240 Baptist churches. And uh, as has already been said, uh, indeed, we have had a, a great loss amongst us. Um, the first opportunity that I had to get to know of Morris and Miriam was uh, when something Murray Robertson, who you heard before, sparked in my imagination when he, he made the comment that if there was a measure of churches around the country... He said, in fact, the Oxford Baptist Church would be the largest church based upon the percentage of people in the town. You know, with 1,500 people or so in Oxford and two or 300 folks going to the Oxford uh, Baptist Church, apparently the stories were in the local pub was like, um, that Oxford church is doing something, are you going to be next? You know, so um, the reputation of the church was something to be admired. And so when I heard about this, and I thought one day I'm going to meet Morris and Miriam, and I had this picture in my mind of this angelic saint who's perpetually on his knees <laughs> with a little glow around his head, and um, I thought that'll be a wonderful occasion to meet Morris. <laughs> well, what I saw was this fusion, this fusion of uh, Canterbury lock, policeman, and the work of the Holy Ghost. And uh, it was a mixture that only could come out of Canterbury or Otago. And uh, purely, purely a Kiwi composite, I've got to say. And that's what we loved about Morris, wasn't it? Is that uh, he was authentic in as much as he never let um, religion supersede his personality or his character. And uh, there's a saying that says, you know, you, if you're going to get into religion, well, you take yourself seriously and God not so seriously. But if you're into being a follower of Jesus, you take Jesus seriously and you don't take yourself so seriously. And I think Morris reflected that really, really well. And um, one of the things that hasn't been commented on yet is the input that he's had to other ministers. Uh, over the last seven or eight years, there's been a group that have got together, a group of leaders, and Morris led that group of leaders uh, to hold a retreat in Hanma. And it's called the Hanma Retreat. And uh, it's three to four days, two to three days, uh, of just a full-on time of praying for one another, having times of worship, and Morris leads that event with the others um, helping alongside him. And I've got to say, uh, I'm tremendously thankful for the fruit that's come out of that time because um, there have literally been dozens of people who have gone into that retreat who are absolutely worn out, wiped out, and saying, this is my final hope, this is all too hard. And after a few days there of just having that one-on-one -on -one time of people praying for them. They have found the courage to get up again and to go back to their churches and resume the call that is upon their life. And for that reason alone, this Hamnet Retreat is a fantastic experience. And so I just want to um, say thank you to Morris and to Miriam for all the hard work you put in there and for holding that sense of vision for it uh, and for not compromising it. The other thing that i just got to say is that uh, as a Baptist churches, as Baptist churches, um, we knew that Morris and Miriam were a, a real tongue, a real treasure in our midst. What really intrigued me was Morris and Miriam's humility. They had lots of opportunity to open up that event to a wider audience, and it could have had hundreds and hundreds of people rather than the 120, but they felt really strongly that this was something they were doing for their Baptist family. And so they, they hung in there, and the group who were running it kept it tight 
and made it personal, made it family. And so um, we're really, really grateful for that. Uh, indeed, uh, as we've said, it's already been spoken of, a mighty, a mighty totra has fallen in our midst. The downside of that is there's a hole in the sky. The upside of that is it allows for fresh growth. And um, there are so many people in this room who have been touched by Morris. And so uh, it's, it's upon us all, isn't it, to step up into that place, to take what we've learned from this tremendous man, uh, his life of faith, his life of humor, his sort of kiwiness, and uh, all that it means to be um, a follower of Jesus, not religious, and to be able to allow that to grow within us. And so that when we look back and we have our day like this, which we all will do, um, people can say there are others in our lives who put us in a place where we grew. We know Morris has been one of them, and I just charge us with that responsibility of stepping into that, that gap that Morris has left us. Miriam, we, uh, we were all shocked, as no doubt your whole family has been. Um, we've had the pleasure of sharing Morris with you and, and your family, and uh, we're just tremendously grateful, and we've all been impacted in a really, really incredible way. God bless you. Very good. Murray and Paul as the last two speakers. Would you just come up here? It'll make it easier for just moving swiftly through. But thank you for coming. Thank you. My name is Murray Cottle, and I'm one of the colleagues of, um, of Morris, I guess. Probably more in the last 10 years got to know him more than uh, prior to that. It's great to hear those stories. But in one sense, I wish I wasn't here, and I'm sure you do too, that we'd much rather have Morris with us still here today. And I guess all of us are just trying to cope with the, the so unexpected shock of, um, of his uh, passing on. And, uh, you know, Morris has come, the comment before that Morris, if his funeral was boring, he, he's out of there. Well, it's not boring, is it? As we listen to the, the amazing stories um, that this guy had. And I wonder whether, Craig, he actually is a picture of an angelic being, more than the sort of stereotypical wimpish kind of angel flying halo person, but, but that, that he is, has e exemplified in so many ways what it means to be a man of God, uh, and that, that God is a, a, a very real being and doesn't put on airs and graces. Morris was not a religious person. He was very natural. And <clears throat> when many of you put your hands up and said, yeah, he's prophesied over you, it would be in a very natural way. You know, whenever I have been in his presence, and he's kind of just chatting, and all of a sudden go, oh, help, he's actually prophesying. It's just been a natural flow rather than he put on a different voice and, uh, you know, looked all serious or whatever. It was the natural part of who he was. And about nine years ago, he came to me and he invited me to come to uh, the second of what was the Hamner Springs retreats that has, have, uh, I think we've had nine of those now. Uh, and <coughs> I remember coming to those, <coughs> coming to the first one and really being impacted by God's presence. But the, the thing that, that one, one of the sort of things that has emerged out of that is that there are many of you sitting here today who are still in ministry because of what happened when God met you at Hamna. 
uh, and, and so that Morris would never say he led that, but you know, that's simply humility. There were those of us who were part of a group that kind of stood beside him in it, but he was used of God to do an amazing thing in those uh, times together. And, uh, and they are game-changing sort of times. I've been thinking recently, uh, just over the last couple of days, of, of a word, space, that what we have now is we have a space that Morris has left. And it's a space in all of our lives. It's a space in, um, <coughs> really, in the life of the Baptist churches of New Zealand uh, that, that has been now created by his passing. And we have to <coughs> really ask ourselves, how can we fill that space? What has God got for each of us to, to do that kind of thing? Recognizing that Morris has never ministered without his wife, Miriam, um, and that together they have been um, just a team that has been really amazing. So I want to honor the ministry that God has used through Morris. I want to thank you, Morris, for what you've meant for me personally uh, and what you've meant to so many other people, many of whom are sitting here today and would just love the opportunity to, to share, I know, because of how he has blessed you. So thanks, Morris. Uh, no mai, haere mai, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. My name is Paul Edlin. Um, in this life, I was just thinking when we were flying down here, my wife and I today, in this life you meet many, many people, and I know that's not rocket science, I know you all kind of understand that. The older you get, the more people you meet. That is true. Some of them uh, are acquaintances, they remain acquaintances. Some of them become friends and good friends. Um, some of those people, um, you're glad you only met them once. And if you meet them again, you're really unlucky. And I say that as a pastor. <laughs> and then every now and again, you have this incredible privilege of meeting someone like Morris and Miriam Atkinson. For Christine and I, um, I would put Morris and Miriam in the top five of our list of people that we are close to spiritually and relationally in this life. In fact, I blame this man for ensuring that we would go into ministry. Years and years ago when I was part of this church, way back in the day, uh, there was a church camp, John, you'd probably remember this, at Living Springs. Uh, Chris and I were going through a period of time of in between, kind of just seeking God, where to from here. And there was a call on our life, or kind of, or we thought, maybe, um, pastoral ministry. And Miriam, you and Morris came up to us at that camp, didn't know us from a bar of soap, and prophesied over our life that we would go into ministry in the very next year. That's exactly what happened. It is your fault. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say this, um, it has been an honor and a privilege to get to know this great man and this wonderful, wonderful woman sitting before us here today. They've passed so much onto our lives, us personally, my wife and I, many of you here today, they've sown into our lives over the years 
um, and we are very, very grateful that we are better people today because of knowing them and knowing him and what he did and what he spoke into our life and the way he allowed God to use him. Let me finish with this. Many of you would know that uh, Morris is authored, that is, that he wrote a book. In fact, I think he's on the sequel. I'm not sure if he got to finish it, Miriam. I'm not sure about that. But he wrote this book, and I know this book to be true because I was one of the people that was privileged to, um, uh, to do a forward for it. But here's the thought I had when I was flying down today. I had this picture. Last Friday, um, Morris went to be with the Lord. We lost a mighty totara tree, no question. Heaven gained one. He's there. You're there with your daughter, sharing stories. I'm sure that's what will be going on right now. But here's the picture that I had in my mind. There will be Morris once he got through the pearly gates and he's in heaven and all the throngs of people that would have welcomed him because it's somewhere along the line he touched their life in some particular way. And then there'll be Morris and all the angels, probably hundreds and thousands of them, all sitting around in front of him. And Morris would, be say, would say this to them. Listen here, you lot. Is there anyone here that hasn't read my book? Can the music team come? Just we draw to a close now. Wow, this is not a normal funeral service, is it? And it shouldn't be a normal funeral service at all. And the thing that makes it so different is a person by the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I just really want to just, the, you know, if you're not a Christian yet and you're here amongst us here today, Jesus is the difference. He's the absolute difference in Morris's life. Morris had two lives. He had his first life and then he had his brand new start life that we're all just celebrating today and touch so many people and most of you have had that same experience but if you haven't I just want to give you the offer of just taking a free book from me today it's called The Reason Why and it's written by Robert Laidlaw who started farmers and then spreads farmers right throughout the country and he wanted to try and put into words why he was a Christian and what it meant to be a Christian. And so I just want to give you this offer. If you're looking at this and thinking, this is not like any funeral service I've ever been to before, it's not. The difference is Jesus Christ. He's in our lives. Heaven is real. We know where Morris is. We know where we're going. And if you don't know that, I'm going to have a number of these out by the coffee machine, and you can just pick that up if you'd like to. It's a free gift from me and from Morris for you today. Can we just stand and we'll just celebrate God and all that we've been thinking about in this last song?
Thank you for every day, every time that our lives have crossed. Be with each of us, Lord, in a comforting and a sustaining way, especially with Miriam and with Melanie and John and Tim and Rondi and their families. Help each of them and help all of us, Lord, to be able to grieve and to take it in that it has actually happened. And then lift each one of us up again to be able to go on and to live in you, Christ Jesus. And Lord, may your grace be with us as we talk and as we share and enjoy each other's company now with some of those Afghan biscuits. In Jesus' name, amen.
you may. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on last gristle, bad grumble, give a whistle. This'll help things turn out for the best. Hey. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain. <laughs>